Welcome to Dad Factors. And today on the show, we have Travis Bush, former MMA fighter, right? For like six years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, father of four, three girls, one boy. I've uh, been fighting his whole life. Yeah. Pretty much since yeah. first grade. Yeah, that was something that got brought up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, spelled from school in the first grade. <laughs> uh, been in quite a few interesting situations, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Um, and he's a master defensive tactics instructor. Yeah. Been in uh, some form of criminal justice since he was 23. I think. Yeah. 24, yeah. 23. To include hanging out with the SWAT team when he was in high school. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Changed his life. Did so. change his life. Let's start the show. We love coming to you every week with life stories that have the potential to change your life or your kids' future. We want to continue to improve the show, so if you'd like to support the show or even buy us a beer, log on to anchor.fm forward slash dad factors. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M forward slash D-A-D-F-A-C-T-O-R-S and click on the support link. It'd be super appreciated. This episode of Dad Factors is brought to you by Wallace Brewing Company. Wallace Brewing Company has the finest craft beers I've ever tasted. They have a great variety of beers, such as the Vindicator IPA, 660 India Style Pale Lager, the Huckleberry Shandy, the Select Lager, the 1910 Black Lager, and the Red Light. I drink it. I give it to the guests on my show. It's a great beer. They got a brewmaster up there at Wallace Brewing Company, Jack. Brewmaster Jack puts this stuff together, and it tastes fantastic. Next time you're out at the grocery store, pick yourself up a six-pack. You will not be disappointed. And as always, Wallace Brewing Company reminds you to drink responsibly. Jason and I want to start a quote of the week, and we want your help. If you have a funny, motivating, or otherwise dastardly quote, hit us up at dadfactors at gmail.com. If you want to or know someone who would be an entertaining guest on the show, you can contact us with the same email. That's dadfactors at gmail.com. Let's kick this fucker off. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> okay, so so Travis, tell me a little bit about where you grew up and how you came to live where you live now. Okay. All right, well, first off, I want to say that I was at Walmart the other day, and <laughs> I saw Big Trouble in Little China oh, nice. for $7 oh, on that's Blu-ray. Movie. I had to get it. I love that movie. That's an interesting start to the show. It is. Like Kurt that. Russell's amazing. Yeah? Yeah. Hmm. <clears throat> All right, well, a little cult classic. Did you watch it that night? I did. All the kids did. We love that movie. Have your kids seen it before? No. What is that rated? It's PG thirteen. Is it? You know what Jack Burton says at a time like this? Checks in the mail. Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see here. I think if we go all the way back to how everything came to be, it started when I was about four years old, and that was I guess everybody has like a like a mentor they look up to mm-hmm. or you know somebody that they inspire to be one day I'm sure you guys did didn't you folks yeah superheroes yeah. whatever the case is sure I did yeah Kevin James oh okay wow. <laughs> all right <laughs> UPS all the way <laughs> <clears throat> well mine started off with two things one it was Ninja Turtles mm. and the second was Arnold Schwarzenegger and that honestly is the reason why I believe I am the person I am today. 
and it still has carried on even now. <laughs> and I'll get into that and explain that here. Huh. So at four years old, diving right into this here, Ninja Turtles, I wanted to be like a Ninja Turtle because they were fighting. Yeah, but who doesn't, right? Yeah, they had nin- you know, and then you got Splinter teaching mm-hmm. them how to fight, and yeah, I thought it was a cool thing Shredder, to fight bad guys. Super Shredder. Right, Super Shredder. Foot. And they had all the cartoons and stuff, so um, that was always great, and I was watching it all the time. I was uh, growing up in uh, around Otis Orchards, actually, which would be kind of like the East Valley area now. During that time in Otis Orchards, it was a rough school. So all the kids fought. It wasn't just me. Okay. We always like to, you know, get in there and scrap and it's a mutual fighting too. It wasn't like we just sat there and like, we're picking on kids or anything. We literally would go to the playground and on the playground, everybody would fight. Really? It was, I don't know if the school's like that still nowadays, but it was a rough school. Like battle Royale fight or like walk up and just start fighting. Kumite around someone. No, just walk up and it was random too. It wasn't like you had groups of people would just team up and beat the crap out of somebody. No, it was just like, you go find your person. You're going to (laughs) fight. What are the other kids chanting? Two boys enter, one boy leaves. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. You're under the big toy, just going at it. Well, my sister and I are only about a year and a half, you know, apart in age. And we were going to school together there, and this kid had said something to her, and I don't remember exactly what it was, but I wanted to, you know, I saw like in the Ninja Turtles, you know, punching people in the face, and I was like, I wonder if that would really work. So I walked up to him and just socked him in the face, and I still remember very vividly what happened, just his nose had exploded and blood was coming down his face, and I was like, oh, it worked. (laughs) So then I found the next kid. (laughs) And then there was other kids finding each other and fighting and everywhere, and it was just kind of a battle royale. That was actually, do you guys remember Duties? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. School duties. School duties. Yeah. You, do you know what duty is? No. Okay. So we still have them. They're here <clears throat> in our schools. They have duties. Mm-hmm. Like a playground teacher. Like a bouncer. Like yeah. a playground. Like they hire these the ladies. Enforcers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what they are. Bouncers and forcers are. I don't know. <laughs> just middle-aged women who don't have anything else to do, and so they hire them. Yeah. And so they would get on either the rooftops. Um, or they'd be walking the rooftops. They like got on the sniper? rooftops. They got on the rooftops with binoculars and walkie talkies and they would call fights out. And then really? the other duties would come in and try to separate it. The problem is we were all fighting. So they would have to get involved too. This is crazy. <laughs> this is what grade is this? <laughs> oh, this was on his first grade. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> and so my folks were getting daily phone calls and stuff from the principal and the teachers saying, you know, I'm a bad kid. I'm fighting all the time. And I, and it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't just me. It was all these other kids that were getting just as much trouble and everything was happening. I'd go home, take my lickens for the day, you know, get the old spatula, the old spoon, mm-hmm. you know, the old backhand, mm. you know. Made and you I, tougher for that next fight, right? Uh, I didn't look at it like that. I told my mom as I got older, if you would have just taken my like G.I. Joe toys away or my video games away, I would have stopped. Hmm. But I just took the lickens because I was like, eh. And she caught me one time, too. I was fake crying when she was <laughs> smacking me around. I was like, all right, whatever. I'll just take my lickens. She's like, I haven't even started yet, and you're already crying? I'm like, ugh, it's not real. <laughs> <clears throat> <laughs> so we were going back to the school, and we're fighting. And there was one incident, too, that um, also sparked a little bit of anger. This this one, and I also want to you know just let you guys know that I never fought out of anger. I liked it because it was fun, hmm. except this one time. Kid walks up, hits me right in the groin. There were rules on this playground that you don't do. Kicked me right in the nuts. Oh. I was angry. <laughs> and he ran away, too. So it wasn't like he just kicked me in the groin and then was like, oh, okay, and then we engaged in a battle. No, he just ran away. It's kind of cowardice of him. 
So I waited. <laughs> and this one I got in a lot of trouble for. Because then I, we ended up having to, well, I got kicked out of the school. And then we had to move on to another school. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, and this was because first of this? grade still? First grade. Wow. This, first grade. Because of this incident is why you got kicked out of school? Mm-hmm. So you waited. I waited. And then what happened? For my moment. <laughs> so he climbs to the top of the playground. <clears throat> and then when you're a kid at that age, you know, it looks, it's a lot taller than, you know, you might see nowadays. Right. But he was getting ready to go down to a little slide pole, you know, that you can go down like a little firefighter, right? He saw me coming. Same day? Oh, yeah, same day. I okay. waited like five minutes. I was <laughs> I was just like, oh, because it hurt, you know? And so I was like, okay, I'm going to recover, and then I'm going to get him. So I go to the top, and he sees me coming. He tries to go down, so I pull him off of the pole, and I shove him off the whole thing. And he goes head first into the ground. It was a good distance. Messed him up pretty good. Then I slide down, you know, or go down the pole, and I look at him. I'm like, you can do that again? But he was already unconscious. <laughs> oh, God. And so the duty saw that and came in and, yeah. you know, saw you. enforced me. Yeah. Yeeting people off the <laughs> off the slide. Wow! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice way to slide that one yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I've been looking for a way to use yeah. that in common usage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, needless to say, I was drug in to the uh, principal's office. That was the first time I actually had to go to a psychologist. Really? Oh. Yeah. First grade. <laughs> nice. Good times, right? So, yeah. what happened was, and you know, after the results of the psychologist, he was like, dude, Travis is a normal kid. He just likes to fight. You need to get him in something else. And my dad's like, well, at four, we already threw him in wrestling, and that's all he's been doing. So, what else? And he's like, I don't know, just keep occupying him or take away the Ninja Turtles or something, which they never did. And also in the first grade, I changed my name too. Mm. Yeah. To Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh. <laughs> and I spelled it correctly too. So, what I did is I, I went to my mom. And I was like, how do you spell Arnold Schwarzenegger? Because at the age of four, I watched Terminator 2. And That's I was young to watch Terminator 2. That is yeah, young. yeah, it was violent. You, you know? were born in 84? 85. 85. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that was a, a fairly recent movie mm-hmm. when you watched it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That and Predator. I mean. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like back to back. I was watching those, and uh, it, was, it wasn't like I was terrified of it. It was I was a huge fan of Arnold from then on out, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in his politics, obviously, mm-hmm. that he believes in. A little bit of a hypocrite, if you ask me. <laughs> okay. You know, because he shoots guns and blasts everything up, and you're like, oh, wow, that's what he supports? No. no. <laughs> but needless to say, I love his movies, and I fell in love with Arnold after that. And he has good, you know, inspirational speeches that he does and everything else. Mm-hmm. And so from there, um, I asked my mom how to spell it. Show me how to spell it. Put it on a little whiteboard or whatever, and I went to school and started changing my name. The teachers tolerated it at first. They were like, well, okay, this is just Travis. He's... Probably just a weirdo kid, whatever. So I kept writing it, writing it, writing it every day for like two weeks straight. And then the teacher called my mom and said, this needs to stop. (laughs) (laughs) Your mom was probably like, what? What did she do? Yeah. And she didn't know because she goes, well, yeah, he asked me a couple weeks ago to write it down to see how you spell it. I thought he was just interested in see how it looked or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she's like, no, you memorized it and he's writing it down correctly. He just changed his name. Nice. (laughs) Were you putting like on like school projects like arnold no no you were doing full arnold schwarzenegger oh yeah full arnold schwarzenegger yeah my name i would make sure to write it everywhere too anywhere i could (laughs) how'd how'd that change your parents just tell you knock that shit off um no my mom i think kind of my mom and i have kind of very similar personalities and so we've butted heads a lot as we're growing up Uh, but she found a way kind of to work around that she said you know arnold's mom gave him his name out of love because that's his name and it's meaningful and everything else 
so that's why I gave you Travis because mm. that's your name and it's meaningful. And so I was as a kid, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But it begs the question: Did you ask her what does it mean? Uh, no. Later on, I figured out that you know we're American, our names don't mean shit. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, it okay. sounded reasonable. I was like, oh, okay, sure. But I still was a fan of Arnold. And then from then on, everything else rolled into play. All of his movies, watching it constantly. I mean, even the kids the other day, we watched Predator. It's great. I think I'm going to watch my watch Predator with my kids. Yeah. Mm. I suggest you do. It's a, it's a great, great Plus, movie. I haven't seen it in a while. Can I come borrow it? I know you got it on DVD. I got a lot. <laughs> Blu-ray, <laughs> DVD. <laughs> huh. Okay. So you uh, moved from that school. They said that you needed to do, what, physical stuff, I would assume? Like, you know, f- wrestling, get them to do physical stuff. What would they have you do? Well, I was already doing wrestling. Uh, my brother was wrestling in freestyle at four, I think. And so was I. And then we went to collegiate after that. Okay, so how old is your brother? Right now he is, oh my gosh, 37. Okay. Mm. So, so you have an older brother mm-hmm. and a younger sister? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we were already in wrestling, and see that's that's another thing too. Is I was always kind of the black sheep of the family. My brother was the oldest; he was more responsible, you know, kind of took care of us type thing. My sister, being the baby, being the girl, she's a princess. So I was right in the middle, <laughs> and I was always, like I said, the black sheep. And in fact, the reason why I say about Arnold and liking guns and all that stuff, which I do today, and my beliefs and everything, you know, kind of similar to your guys's as well, same ideologies. Um, my folks were very opposite. So they were completely, my family's very left. Really? That's interesting. So, yeah, my brother is um, pretty close to a socialist mm. that you can get to. I mean, he was um, he lived in Germany for three years. Um, I, I don't know. I would have figured you would have been like, whoa, socialism, and you experienced it and you liked it still. Mm. But interesting. Very interesting. <clears throat> uh, my sister was a left... She moved to Idaho, and slowly, I think she's turning. <laughs> slowly. She still doesn't like Trump, but that's okay. And then uh, my mom, no, far left. My dad, far left. He, he wanted Bloomberg. She wanted Hillary. Interesting. Mm-hmm. No Bernies, huh? No Bernie supporters? They weren't feeling uh, My Bernie? brother wanted Bernie. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, that was... And my sister at first was all for like Biden and stuff because she just disliked Trump. But now she was kind of at the same point going, you know, well, maybe I don't want to even have Biden in there, but, you know, it is what it is. But so with Arnold on that sense, I think, honestly, even though he's a complete, you know, lines up with a little bit of socialism or have his socialist ideas, I like all the movies raising up with the guns and action. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, I kind of like it because. Even now, my boy, who's four years old, is really in at four years old to Ninja Turtles. Oh, really? He, and because they had made the you know Ninja Turtles, they've made all mm-hmm. new cartoons and stuff. So that's all he's watching. And he is a big time fighter right now. So I'm trying to channel that mm. a little bit. So we got him going to jujitsu, mm-hmm. you know, practicing in that. And teach him when it's appropriate to do it and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So and he's, he's and he's going to school right now. He's doing schools. Good. And teachers say he's great. He's a you know sweet kid, is what they say. And I'm like, oh, okay, good. I tell him that no fighting. He's like, no fighting, no fighting. Nice. I was like, don't get in trouble, buddy. It's no trouble. I'm just going to learn at school. It's like, good. He's like, when can I fight? I was like, if somebody tries to hurt you. He's like, okay. All right. Well, he he knows what's up then. It was, we got a call though. 
recently. Mm. Uh oh. So um, his best friend goes there, and how they greet each other is they punch each other in the face. Nice. <laughs> yeah. At first, she was like, she thought they were fighting, and that's every day how they greet each other. You know, Arius will walk up to Bodhi and just like slug each other, and the teacher's like, yeah, that's. <laughs> yeah that's what they do all the Awkward. time and i'm like oh okay i mean we're used to it because they're our neighbors so they always come over and play and wrestle and fight so we're uh, normal but yeah that's how they greet each other and they're best little friends and they just hang out and play all day long and go to school together interesting so yeah. they just called you to let you know hey this <laughs> just is what's fyi going if he on. shows up with some bruises <laughs> no i had showed up to pick him up or whatever because we all pick him at the same time and they just she quickly popped out and was like hey just fyi you know I just is that normal? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, for those two, yeah, it is. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so let's circle back. Uh, you were, you had moved schools, and you got heavy into watching Arnold Schwarzenegger stuff. Okay, and then you started into wrestling, mm-hmm. right? And you mo- you mentioned that you went collegiate. Collegian. Mm-hmm. Collegian. What's is that? And that's different. Mm-hmm. There's different rules between freestyle, Greco-Roman, and collegian. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But so what's the what's the highest thing you did in wrestling? Like what's the the pinnacle of your wrestling career? Not good thus far. Not good. That goes into more of a a darker story okay. <laughs> of what happens. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> we'll get to that here. <laughs> So Did I jump ahead too far? <laughs> just a little bit. We'll 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 back it up just uh, to the new school. Okay. Because yeah, yeah, that, okay. that didn't go too well either. Oh, nice. <laughs> so <laughs> I went to this new school, and at first my mom, you know, well, later on she did say it, it was um, more Christian-based, and she believes that actually is what helped me. Because that school that I was at, was yeah, it was Otis Orchards. It was just an old brawl, which I liked. Come on. Yeah. Don't pull me from that. Battle Royale. But so we went to this school called Sunrise Elementary. First couple of years were pretty rough. Still fighting. And I was the only kid that was fighting now. So mm. now I look like the bully out there because all these other kids are just like, you know, hey, let's play soccer. And I'm like, no, let's fight. <laughs> you go up and start fighting. And they're like, what Stupid is this soccer. kid doing? You know, it's like threatening to kick me out again and sending me to another psychologist to uh, talk about my anger issues. Kind of, you know, full circle here. Full circle, yeah. especially nowadays with work. Which we'll get into that. (laughs) (laughs) Full circle. And the doctor, too, said he's not angry. He just, this kid just wants to have fun. That's how he has fun, apparently, is he likes to wrestle and fight. So they were trying to find ways to, like, channel it. With my wrestling, um, it helped a little bit. But when I first started wrestling, I was losing like crazy. I was just getting pinned like crazy, and I was waving at my folks in the stands, you know, and I was getting, you know, beat in there. (laughs) And all I did is I walked up to my dad and go, hey, how do I win that gold stuff? You know, because you get a you know first place, mm-hmm. you know, a little yeah. gold ribbon or a gold medal, and that's all I wanted. That's all I care about. Something shiny, something flashy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What is that?" And they're like, "Oh, that's uh, that's how you win." Oh if my you god, get first. you're just like Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, you just wanted a medal. I just wanted a medal, <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know. And my dad's like, "You gotta win." And I was like, "Well, how do I win?" He's like, "Take the other kid and put him on his back and pin him." That's it. I'm like, he's like, "That's it." From that moment on, I didn't lose. <laughs> Every match, even all the way up until I reached high school, I didn't lose. Hmm. I was just doing that and I got cool medals and trophies and stuff. And I loved that. And through sunrise, I think, um, what helped me was a teacher. Um, his name was actually Mr. Beal. 
Hmm. And so I was in his class and he had this classroom set up that was like set for medieval times. Every year he did some new theme. And so he made um, school fun. And that was, I think, my problem is I was an okay student, average student, but I wanted to just have fun. He made it like that because he made the projects in school more entertaining. And so then I kind of straightened myself up a little bit, matured, you know, tiny little bit, got into junior high and focused a little bit on wrestling, which is all I was focused about. But then that's when high school hit. And then uh, that's when partying hit. Mm-hmm. And that's when the downfall of wrestling hit mm-hmm. and set me down a different kind of path, unfortunately, which kind of uh, ruined my wrestling era. But it is what it is. High school. Yeah. High school was a, a downfall for me. So did you do any other sports before you hit high school? I was not allowed to. Really? I want to do football. Uh, my dad said I could do cross country because it keeps you in shape, running uh, okay. shape. But he's like, but nothing else. You're wrestling. Wrestling only. Mm. Oh, interesting. And we didn't get a choice in it when we were younger. Is we there were, a reason? Did he have a reason behind that? Not even golf? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my dad was a big-time wrestler. He had placed third in the nation and then um, went third to net. In the nation for? Wrestling when he wow. was in college. College. And then he also um, went to nationals every year for college, won a couple state championships when he was in high school, but then he went to the Olympic trials. So he was a big time wrestler. Yeah. He's about five foot six, big old cauliflower ear. Yeah. How do you, how do you do in the trials? Uh, not too good. I mean, was he, was he even close to making an alternate or anything? Mm -mm. No, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's an accomplishment. Yeah. yeah, Just to get up there. So Mm -hmm. that was huge. And so I think that was what he wanted to pass on to us. And so, but with us, we'd like to say, we didn't really get a choice. I wanted to play football. I wanted to try something else. Mm-mm. Interesting. Wasn't allowing mm-hmm. us. So it was more just like focused on just the wrestling aspect of it. Did your, so your brother wrestled. Did your sister do any other sports? No. Was she a wrestler too? No. She, no. No, she, she just didn't, didn't do sports. Mm-mm. She didn't do sports. <coughs> so. So like, I, have, I have a question. Let's back up for just a, a little bit more. Um, so. When you were losing and you had that moment <laughs> where you asked your dad, had your dad tried to help you out before that at all? No. I mean, had he tried to show you like, hey, try this or anything? I think he, he gave me some advice, you know, on stuff, but I think ultimately he wanted to try to let me figure it out on my own. Yeah. And he didn't want to be probably overbearing. And let, I think he was trying to let the coaches coach yeah, and just he was sit just, back. And, well, he was one of the coaches. Oh. Okay. So he, I think he was just trying to like go, I don't want to like push you too much. I want you to learn and have fun which I was having fun. I just, I was losing. <laughs> I didn't understand why. But, um, so yeah, I think that's what it was. And then once I started winning, then it was a little bit different. Um, and when my brother and I, when we would lose, if, you know, like in high school, if we lost a match or something like that, it was that, you know, look of disappointment that you would get. Mm. Oh, so yeah. it made it even much harder on us that we didn't want to lose. And if we did lose, it was just like. So mm. did your dad stay the coach the whole time? No, he just stayed in when we were kids, and then we went to junior high, obviously, the coach there, and my dad assisted with everything still, yeah. and then even when in high school, he was wrestling with us. I mean, he wrestled freestyle till he was almost 40 years old. Wow. Oh, wow. And so he was taking us to his matches with him, so we would wrestle too, and we'd have just like, you know, our little tournaments that yeah. we would do and stuff, so. Hmm. I didn't know they had wrestling that late in life. Oh, yeah. Like, you could go wrestle right now. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. You thinking about signing up, Ray? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> In the double heavyweight division. <laughs> hey, they got it. 
I was joking, by the way. I'm not signing. We just, we just got to get you in a singlet. <laughs> Looking. You know good. what? I would rock a singlet. Okay. I'd look just like potato sack Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They'd have to put you in a singlet and then put you on a COVID mask or something. I don't know what they would do. What? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this is a beautiful face. Okay. You got you COVID. You got to protect yourself. <laughs> I can't. Never mind. Anyway. So high school, partying, oh, man, and then you just kind of dropped out of uh, wrestling. What happened there? Wow. High school kind of turned dark for you, huh? It did. Um, I was pretty disciplined and, you know, focused on and regimented on wrestling. And that's all it was. Yeah. When I got to high school, I met new kids, new friends. They were all partiers, heavy drug users, drinkers, and they were all on the wrestling team. Oh, I was going to ask why you hung out with those guys, but okay. Now it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were, I mean, athletic druggies. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So what happened was I was a sophomore in high school. And I was hanging out with my friends and uh, we were just going to parties, hanging out and drinking a lot and, you know, smoking some weed, doing all that stuff. And, you know, when you're young and you're going to parties, I mean, you're going there to party, have fun, talk to girls, do whatever. Well, it just got to the point that it was constantly, you know, something that was happening over and over and over. Finally, some of the coaches caught wind of this. Some of the kids at school had seen us there and most of the wrestlers were all high during their matches. Hmm. So, well, so yeah, they were like, let's do a big drug test for all the wrestlers because we keep hearing all these rumors and stuff yeah. like that. A lot, actually half the team ended up popping positive and for various things, and we all got kicked off, essentially. Suspended at first, and where I got kicked off was because I punched my coach in the face. So you, so you didn't pop positive for drugs? Oh, I did. Oh, you did? Yeah, but it was just more like they pulled us away. They gave us like a week off. Oh, okay. and that was it. Don't do it again. Yeah, Slap yeah. on the wrist type thing. Um, and we all came back. They were all still doing it. And then I was cutting quite a bit of weight and I was wrestling at 103 pounds. Oh, <clears throat> and so the cut was getting to be a little bit much for me. So I was like, I'm just going to go up a weight class. Well, my coach called me a pussy. He goes, no, you're going to stay where you're at. And you're gonna, I'm like, no, I can beat out the guy at 119, you know, for the weight class that I was at. And mm-hmm. that kid was a senior. And he's like, no, seniors, you know, they need their last time to be on varsity. I was like, no, screw that. I'm going to beat him out for it. And then I'm going to be in the varsity spot for the 119 because I can't make 103 anymore. And that's when he called me a pussy. And at that point, uh, I was tired of wrestling. I was sick of it. I was burnt out of it. Mm. So I just did. Obviously, he didn't know you that well because if he knew you, he'd know. It's not about he, anger for you. He it's definitely about the fight. Uh, that moment, I was definitely angry. <laughs> that about moment, to have I was some fun. Yeah, I was like, I don't have time for this shit. And so, I socked him in the face. But we found we found out that um, this wasn't the only incident that happened with this individual. <laughs> I'm making noise over here. Oh, that's all good. I like it. It sounds it's very soothing and relaxing. Oh, it wasn't the only incident that happened with him. With him. Apparently he had he was a coach over at U High, and a kid did the same thing to him. Oh. And the kid got in big trouble for that, obviously. Then he comes over to Central Valley. That's where I was going to high school at. And then my incident happened. A week later, another incident with another wrestler happened. Same thing. Kid socked him in the face. Wow. So then they started kind of going, okay, what's going on here with this guy? And then come to find out, they ended up firing him because he bit a kid. Nice. <laughs> they were wrestling around, and he latched onto the kid's just arm. Just tightened his arm. Oh, yeah, tightened nice. his arm just for his forearm. Left teeth marks and everything. So then they called me up, and they're like, okay, well, he's gone. 
we're sorry for all this stuff. Apologize to my folks and everything else. I was getting brought back on. But at that point, you know, I was like, I'm done. Mm. I am done with this. And so that was hard to tell my dad that because he was really disappointed. The look on his face, he was just like, ugh. You know, and I was yeah. getting all this trouble and doing stupid crap. And then I was quitting the wrestling. And so then they're like, well, you got to figure, you know, your shit out pretty much. And my senior year was probably one of the best years for me. Um, and actually who got me out of the trouble was a cop. Um, I won't mention his name, but it was a resource officer that was there and he was a power lifter. And oh. so he, on the side that he had his own powerlifting team outside of school. I mean, they used the school, but it was his own team that he built for there. And he was just bringing kids along and he happened to come along to me and talk to me and said, Hey man, you got it weightlifting. You want to do it? He knew I was kind of a troubled kid and, or whatever. He was getting into some stupid stuff. And so that's when I went into the gym and started working out. And then that was that. And he's actually the one who started, um, he got me hooked up with actually the, the Spokane County SWAT team to do a SWAT training day with. Oh, which was in high school, in high school, which was really cool. Cause they were like, Hey, we're doing sniper training. So they sent, he sent myself and a good friend of mine <clears throat> who also was getting me out of the trouble, trying to coach me along and guide me to go into weightlifting with him as well. And so we had, uh, just been hanging out the entire time. And then the officer was like, all right, you guys want to go do this SWAT training? And I was like, well, sure. Cool. I don't know what to expect. And so we did, we had to do a two mile they took us somewhere and everything was closed off. So I didn't know where we were going. But when we got to the location, it was just a massive field and you could see a couple old barns and they set a sniper somewhere and you couldn't be seen. And that was the whole, it was the whole game of it. We had to hike in two miles, crawl on this ground through all the swamp crap and, you know, find our location um, of the sniper. And if he caught us, we had to start over and do it again. And so then what ended up happening was, at the very end of it, we got to shoot, you know, some cool MP5s, which I really liked because that was also, you know, a chosen gun in the Arnold movies or Bruce Willis movies, you know, diehards, great stuff. Tell me more about like the the SWAT training. So you did two miles mm -hmm. with a group of SWAT guys. Yep. And so they we were, were just telling you, yep. hey, keep your head down. Here's what we're going to do. That's pretty cool. Do you have to carry any gear? Yeah, I just had the standard gear. They gave us the packs and everything while they carried their guns, mm -hmm. obviously, but they, we were teamed up with another individual. And that's where I met two guys on the team that were getting in. They were training MMA and doing stuff, and they kind of had suggested to me that there's a gym that you should go check out. you know. And so I, that's how I slowly started getting into fighting was from the Spokane County SWAT team. Interesting. That's super interesting. Back in 2003. And all because that resource officer hooked it up for you. Mm -hmm. That's and it cool. was good. And that wasn't like a day one. I went to weightlifting and he, yeah. you know, brought me in there. No, I was dedicated. I was on his team. I won a couple of um, matches or tournaments that we did for powerlifting. And so I was all about that and promoting it and trying to get other, my friends and stuff off, the, you know, the stupid crap that they were doing, um, which is very unfortunate because all of my friends that I used to hang out with, I see now mm. on the other side of the jail. Mm. And so that's what sucks. Even the other day, um, I was downtown working in the facility and I came across uh, one of my buddies I used to hang out with all the time, sucked up, methed out. And it was, I didn't even recognize him. He just mm -hmm. said, he said my first name. So that kind of caught me and I was like, Oh, who's this? This person obviously knows me. Mm -hmm. I looked at him and I couldn't even recognize him. And I was like, who are you? And he just kind of like looked at me weird. And I looked at his name on the, you know, on the cell door and I was like, Holy cow, uh, what huh. the heck dude? And so, it's kind of a sad moment. He was pretty embarrassed to 
kind of see that um, as well. But it also was a, a moment for me as well going, holy cow, I could have been on this side. Well, hopefully it'll make him reflect a little bit too on, on his life decisions, you know? Yeah, maybe. You never know. You never know. You never know. But maybe. If he had a life, he died shortly <clears throat> after that. Oh, really? Yeah. So wow. he just drug overdose. And I've seen, it wasn't just him. I've seen all my friends that went to high school that I was hanging out with. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Hmm. man, I could have been on the other side, but, and I'm very thankful that that officer had pulled me aside and, and straightened me out a little bit and, um, focused on just the powerlifting that got me out of the trouble. But then at the end of that SWAT training that we were doing, which was awesome, we got to shoot those cool guns, which I've never shot a gun. That was my first time ever shooting a gun. Really? So it was a little intimidating for me, shooting an MP5 fully auto. (laughs) So I was like, holy cow. The first time you shot, you went full auto. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so they were like, okay, just brace yourself. We had one guy behind us in case we like fell back or whatever. And they're like, just stand firm and push the gun out and pull the trigger and don't let go. And it just did and rattled off. And I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. (laughs) And then from that moment on, I wanted to be either a police officer or some, you know, play some type of role in criminal justice field. Yeah. So that's interesting. So 2003, you go to this gym. Mm. Is that- yeah. So right at the end of 2003, 2004 is when I actually had my first fight. Um, and during that time, so I met those two guys, um, those two SWAT guys, they introduced me to the coach and I started just grappling from there. They would come in like a couple times out of the, you know, the week or whatever. And some, it slowly went away to the point that they only came like once a month. But because they, they had a job and they mm-hmm. had a family and stuff, so they were just coming in just to kind of hone their skills. I wanted to actually fight. I always remember telling myself this too. I didn't know the UFC existed at the time, and so I was told myself, I was like, man, I wish there was a sport that you could just all rules were you know available mm-hmm. to you and you could fight and wrestle and you know box and kickbox and all that stuff. And then shortly after that, my brother had shown me a UFC video with Tito Ortiz on it, mm. and I was like, holy cow, this thing's real. It exists? Wasn't that like an early UFC? That was an early one. Mm, they started, I mean, the bare knuckle stuff was back in like 93 is yeah, when it first was... started. And that was, I mean, there was a bunch of, you know, politicians and senators and stuff trying to shut it down because it was like human cockfighting is what they referred to it as, um, which I love those old fights. Watching those were the... I saw a couple the other oh, day. Oh, awesome. Yeah. They're great. They're very entertaining. But yeah. so, yeah, that was still pretty new. I mean, the UFC wasn't as big as it was obviously today. And so um, that's actually what I wanted to do. Well, yeah, those guys, I mean, like Couture, Ortiz, mm-hmm. Liddell, they're the guys that, I mean, yeah, you had Gracie in the beginning. But right. Those guys were, I think, the guys that really brought everything to, brought like superstardom to UFC. Oh, I agree. They definitely hyped it up. <clears throat> and I think that's what they had to do. It was more of like a, I mean, if you went out there and fought like they did, there was no showmanship. There was no hype mm-hmm. or anything. You just go out and fight. Well, people like that, but you need a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So they had to bring in more of like the theatrics of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, because people up to that point are used to watching WWF. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And all that is is a soap opera. Yeah. It, well, I mean, it's, <laughs> I would say that that's probably three quarters talking, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say it's half. I would say probably three quarters is talking, a quarter of it's fighting right. or wrestling. Yeah. So it was great. And it was starting to get, you know, grow a little bit and get big. And so uh, my buddy that was powerlifting with me, he started getting into the fighting and then uh, wanted to come with me to the, you know, the shows and stuff. He was actually my corner man for my first fight. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so that, I was 19 years old when I had my first fight. And I was fighting a 40-year-old guy who was... And this, this was a UFC fight or this was like a 
to, to try amateur. to get into it. It was the, definitely an amateur, right? It was definitely amateur. Yeah. Um, it was my first fight as an amateur and just in your, one of your local shows, which mm. were very underground. <laughs> and this was a pancreation form. And if you don't know what a pancreation form was, it was more just using your palm strikes. So you wore like a shin guard and you had like a knee pad on to provide some type of protection, but then you use your palms for striking. You don't oh. use your close head fists. Headgear? No, head no headgear. And so it was essentially still just a fight, just with palm strikes. So I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Let's just give it a whirl and see what happens. And this guy was like a two-time kickboxing state champ or something like that. So, And he's got tattoos everywhere. So here I am, 19 years old, and I'm like, uh, kind of intimidated. But <laughs> oh, I was yeah. like, let's, let's do it, I guess. And so after I won that fight and just essentially just you know because i didn't have much training and i mean i was practicing for a month and then my coach is like you want to fight and i was wow. like and i was like yeah let's do it that's like a karate kid story yeah I just yeah. threw you in there <laughs> i was like well he he asked me and i was like yeah let's do it interesting I asked my buddy too did you like, win by decision did you win by uh tko really okay so all i did is i just picked him up slammed him on his head and just started palm striking him to the face and then my buddy who was in the corner and it was funny too during practice because when the coach was like hey you want to fight and my buddy's like dude you should do it Get in there. Get now, in did there. you know who you were fighting ahead of time? No. No. So That's you showed a, up and yeah. you find out, like, here's this 40-year-old tattooed man. I didn't even know what he really looked good. like at all. They just said, okay, you're you're up. Get in the ring. So oh, I, really? So I got in the ring. You didn't know until you got in there. Yeah. I didn't know who I was fighting. <laughs> I didn't know what the guy looked like. I just <laughs> was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> I mean, they could have brought in a sumo, and I was like, all right, let's do was it. it. Was it the same weight class? Yeah. Yeah. Did okay. they make you wait for till all the betting was closed or right. <laughs> so doing those amateur fights, you just have to sign a bunch of waivers, right? Because there's no like, you know, uh, if you're injured, you're definitely not suing the organization. And do you win any money? Well, with amateur fighting, you don't make any money. No you're money. not supposed to. And if the most they pay, they might be like 50 bucks. Oh, but there was no waivers. No waivers because the ins the event was not happening. Oh, like quote, it was completely <laughs> underground. Yeah, he said it was very underground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, completely underground. Okay, okay. Yeah, there was an incident actually that occurred. <clears throat> so after that fight, um, that same show and that same host or whatever was like, okay, we're gonna put on another fight, but this time you guys can use palm strikes or just bare knuckles or whatever you want to do. So I was like, okay, cool, let's do this. So I lined up another fight, fought again, fought again, fought again. And on the fourth fight, he wanted to do like a little championship under the same thing. And no joke, do you remember this? Do you guys ever watch Snatch mm -hmm. with uh, Brad Pitt? I've seen great it, movie. it's been a while. Yeah, it's a great movie. Do you remember the end scene with the boxing ring underground mm -hmm. in the concrete area? Yeah. That's what it was like. It was, it was so illegal that I show up to this and it's in a garage. <laughs> and there's like no joke, like you see in those movies. I mean, you see the basement cellar doors, the double doors that they open up. Mm -hmm. And so we were going down into there. And my folks never, my dad would did not approve of this at all, any of fighting. And this was the first time he actually came to my fight because he <laughs> oh, was because wow. he saw you know he saw I was really into it by this point. And he's like, gosh, dang it, this is like his fourth fight, and he's winning them, so he must be okay. Let's just you know, he wanted me to pursue more college, which I was. I was going to school. But I wanted to fight. Gosh darn it. Mm. <laughs> and uh, so he's walking into the cellar. Oh, going, my gosh. Where am I? <laughs> my mom never came. She came later when I turned pro because she was just like, I can't like if you get knocked out, if you get hurt, you know, she's used to the blood and bruising and stuff. That doesn't bother. Her. But those knockouts get kind of freaky. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you get hit hard enough and that was a good one that she didn't come to because some stuff ended up happening that was pretty messed up. 
So we go underground and it's no joke on concrete and just some rope wrapped around. And they put like a little canvas tarp thing down on the ground to soak up the blood. <laughs> but you grew on concrete. Wow. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> but it, I, to me, this was the norm. Straight kumite, blood sports Oh, man. Yeah. My dad is just like, he's one of his buddies right next to him. And he's like, what the heck is going on yeah. in here? And yeah, they're sure they were taking little small bets around uh -huh. the crowd was and stuff. And it was just like, and I invited a bunch of my buddies. So they were just in there and it was just like, everybody's crowded around this ring. And like, I had to like push through to get into the ring. Well, right before I went into a fight, uh, there was a jujitsu guy fighting a kickboxer and the uh, jujitsu guy pulled him down, grabbed his, you know, got an arm bar on him, broke his arm. And the kid lifted him up over his head and slammed the guy to the ground was knocked out instantly. The kid jumps on top with his good arm, just starts socking him in the face. They stop the fight. Well, the guy's in a full seizure mode right now, and he's not waking up. Oh. So you know what they did? They grabbed his body, and they dumped him outside, and they called the ambulance. Wow. <laughs> it was pretty now, intense. Now that's some stuff you see on a movie there. <laughs> oh, it was... Drive him to the hospital, kick him out the door, keep driving? Yeah. Oh, I couldn't believe that. I was like, oh my gosh, what are we doing here? This is not nice. a legal fight. But again... I'm like 19 or 20 with this forced fight coming up. So probably 20 years old at this time. And I'm not, I don't know. I'm kind of being clues at this point. I just want to fight. I don't care where we're at. Just give me a fight is where I was at. But all this stuff that was happening, I was like, well, this seems pretty shady. Yeah. But, something happens to me. I'm going to wind up outside in the rain. Yeah, yeah. That's super cool. And of course my dad wasn't, you know, proving this. Cause he's like, did you sign a waiver or anything? And I was like, nah, I don't need waivers. He's like, Oh my gosh. So he's like nervous, but he was cheering it on and he loved it. And, so I fought the guy, ended up dislocating his shoulder, and he still was fighting. He wouldn't give up. So then I started just socking him in the face over and over and over, and he still wasn't giving up. And and I was picking up slam. We went like two rounds, and um and then they stopped the fight finally because I just kept busting his face open. And then after that moment, my dad's like, "Okay, that's that's pretty cool." And then I had essentially an upgrade from there because I went to the Big Easy. Oh, which it was called the Big Easy. Now it's called like the Knitting Factory yeah, or something right. like that. And that was cool because that seemed like the big shows to me, even though it's like a bar still. And oh, there's a balcony, though. You got a balcony <laughs> yeah. and you actually have a cage and you're uh -huh. safer. And, and it's you not actually, in a garage. And you have a mat. <laughs> it's not concrete that, on the floor. That has cushion. So I was like, dude, this is like UFC status in my mind. Uh -huh. I thought it was great. And this is when um, my coach ended up leaving that I was with. So he moved on you know, with his wife and kid and stuff, and they had to go figure other stuff out or I then went to Idaho and started training with Trevor Prangley and Derek Cleveland with the, and sent, at first it was called the lion's den and then it changed to American kickboxing Academy. Mm. And, um, from there, that's how I got connected, connected with them. And they started, they had fights all the time at the big easy. And it was, um, kind of way I was able to build up my amateur record. Um, when, when, when was this when you were 20? Mm -hmm. So was Prangley still fighting? Oh yeah. He was, Oh man, what was Had that? he made it to the UFC? He at that was point? in the UFC okay. at that point, and so it was kind of like a, a star, you know, struck well, thing yeah, for absolutely. me because I recognized him and I saw him because he just got done fighting the UFC, and I was like, "Whoa, you're that guy who just fought in the UFC." And so he was like, "Oh yeah, you know," when he introduced himself, you know, his South African accent or whatever, mm -hmm. and um, cool dude, got along with him great, um, and they just started training with him, and that's who I trained with all the way through the rest of my fighting career. But, um, but before all that too, I was still getting into some trouble on the outs and I still really wasn't growing up yet. And this was before I actually started working for corrections. Cause I didn't go into corrections. until I was about 23, 24 years old. Mm. 
And so I remember when I was 20, 20, no, I was 20 years old at this time because I was not 21 yet. We were at this party and I was getting into fighting. Obviously I had like two or three fights at this point under my belt. I was excited about it, you know, a little confident, maybe a little cocky, mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, we went to this party and, uh, the group of us were there. All these people were there. I didn't know hardly anybody, but still it's pretty cool. Everybody's chilling out. Well, this guy walks in and he's, I mean, you could tell something was wrong at this point. I didn't know what he was on, but you could tell something was off. His eyes were all dilated and his pupils were or whatever. And he was just acting kind of weird and kind of just grinding his mouth and his teeth or whatever. And I had walked by him, didn't say anything to this guy, walked by him. And what does he do? He socks me in the face. Yeah. Just punches me in the face for no reason. And I look at him and I go, you hit like my sister and it pissed him off even more. So he swung at me again. So I just tackled him to the wall. And I start kneeing him in the face and his head's going into the wall and just, I'm um, just smashing. Well, his friends jump me. There's like six of them and they just start wailing on me. And then my friends jump on them and they just start wailing on them. So we got to the point that we're all fighting each other. And, um, a couple of my buddies stripped the dude naked and threw him outside on the lawn. <laughs> and then another guy, um, pulled out a gun and just started lighting the place up, started shooting at us. So we're all now ducking and covering and running over Jesus. the tables and shit. And I'm rolling down the basement <laughs> stairs. The bullets are freaking coming through. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? What? All the other kids that um, were with this buddy, they go running outside and they just start lighting the house up. And they, I mean, they, they, I don't know what the heck they were carrying at this point. Um, but the one kid had a handgun. So they just start spraying into the house. And Holy crap. Yeah, Was so, anybody hit? No. How they weren't hit? Well, uh, I probably know how they were hit. Everybody was drunk and high, and mm -hmm. you know they had guns, and they clearly didn't know how to use them. You know, holding it sideways, kill shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. missed every time. It's a gangster way to do things. Yeah, and so, you know, and that's when that escalated quickly. Oh, it did, <laughs> it did, and it came out of nowhere. That's yeah. why I said the guy was kind of tweaky, you know. And like I said, he socked me in the face. So I looked at him like, "What the heck was that?" Mm. And I, I didn't exactly know. It was kind of like one of those stunned moments where I knew what a punch was, but it hit me in the face and my brain wasn't registering. I just was like, what was that? <laughs> because it didn't like stun me, it didn't knock me out. It just kind of like startled me almost. Like then he swung again and I just tackled him into the wall. You said you hit like my sister. <laughs> <laughs> he was angry about that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, uh, was kind of interesting. So I was doing all that kind of stupid crap that I you know knew I should have done better. I was going to school at this time because I was in school going just for my a degree but i wasn't for sure if what kind of career path i want to go into and so i was at first going into personal training and i didn't want to pursue any criminal justice yet because i was like well i'm still young and i just want to see if that's what i re actually really want to do and then as fighting pursued and then i actually got hired on um with the county when i was yeah 23 almost 24 years old but and i was a bouncer while i was fighting at the same time at the big easy too so I was doing bartending and bouncing and fighting, building up my amateur record because that mm. was my goal then ultimately is I was like, okay, I gotta I wanna win a couple championships. I wore it my goal was I wanna get ten fights under my belt as an amateur and I want some tough fights just to see if I can even yeah, handle being pro. And I told my coach that and Derek and he was like, Okay, let's do it. And he was he did a good job. Trevor and Derek did a good job about building our confidence up. They give you, you know, easier fights that you can win that are tough, but you can win. And then they would start bringing the fights in that were tougher and tougher and tougher. They just don't throw you to the wolves right away. So it was good to kind of build up your confidence on that one. And then um, once I reached 10 and 0 as my record for amateur, then I was like, let's go pro. 
and then that's when everything else started coming into play with that one yeah but so when you went uh did you have any amateur like did you win an amateur championship was that a thing yeah it was they had a couple um like title fights and super fights yeah that i still have those trophies today in my basement even now yeah i mean they're they're cool i like them mm-hmm. and i have my little trophy case that i have it's something i've accomplished and again it goes back to that whole i like gold and shiny objects yeah <laughs> And to me, I didn't I'm care. I'm gonna wreck it. Oh yeah, wreck it. I just want a medal. <laughs> and I remember my coach. He's like, he's like, do you want a trophy? Or do you want fifty bucks? I was like, I want a trophy. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> care about, bucks. I didn't care about, yeah. you know, the money at all. Because in one, I was amateur, so I was like, ah, fifty bucks is nothing. And uh, I was like, I want that, I want that trophy. I want that gold. I want that nice. shiny object. Nice. And so, um, so yeah, won a couple of those little small titles. And then um, Trevor and Derek also hosted at Cordelin Casino. Um, all their fights too. Mm-hmm. And so those were as a pro-am show. So you'd have all these people coming in, you know, and they would get like a big name guy, you know, to come in to be the main event. And then we would be on the undercard or the, you know, the lower part of the card um, kind of trying to build our names up. And that was a great way just to start building our pro shows. Up, mm-hmm. So I got to say, I, and I have, I've been thinking this probably since you started with your getting kicked out of school in the first grade. Yeah. Um, and maybe I might be the, I'm, I'm probably, I can't be the only person here thinking this. I have never met somebody that likes to fight. That truly just no, goes. I've met a couple of people that love to fight. That truly just goes, yeah. I just, I don't really care. I, I don't hate you, but I, I want to fight you. <laughs> and I think that might have been <laughs> part of my downfall between you and I in the beginning. Because oh, I'm right. kind of a smart ass. Uh, uh, you know, we don't have to go into any of that, but, uh, yeah, I didn't know that about you. I, I, you know, I've known you for however many years now, seven, at least a longer than that. Eight. Well, I mean, technically, Ten. I mean, I started at Geiger when I was 2008. Yeah. <clears throat> and I didn't, I didn't know, you know, I knew that you fought. Yeah. I knew that you could fight. I knew you could fight really well. Uh, but I didn't know that you liked it that much. You know, I, di- I didn't know. I, I've, I guess I've never really run into that type of personality. I mean, I've met a lot of people that go, yeah, I'll fight if I need to, you know, but I've never mm-hmm. met anybody that goes, let's do it right now, you know? Um, yeah, no, I, I, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I did. It was just, I don't know. It was just a different <laughs> since, like I said, since I was a kid. And that's why I said it comes like full circle again since I was a kid. Arnold movies and Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. What were they doing? And I don't know if that's what always stuck with me. I don't honestly know. Beating up the bad guy, beating up the aliens, predator. It, there's nothing like self-righteous <laughs> about it all. I just, I like to fight. Now, is your brother the same as you? No. Not at all. Uh-uh. Well. No, my whole family's against guns, and they don't have any guns. They don't like the fighting. Um, they really got into it. They did start supporting me um, when I went pro. Yeah. And so that's when they started traveling with me. And I was like, hey, you guys can do whatever you want. And I'm just doing my thing. And so they were pretty cool about that. Um, what's the, when you turn pro, what's that process like? Uh, nothing complicated. You got to fill out paperwork. That's and it. essentially it just makes it worse for you if you do get in a fight, let's say on the on streets. The outs, yeah. yeah and you, or you, you know, mm-hmm. doing some punk fights or whatever it is. And then the police get you or something like that. Then they can press charges, harder charges on you oh, because you know how to fight. I mean, and you have a license and everything. You're a registered boxer, a registered fighter. And you have to carry this little card around and you have to bring it to the other fights with you. And I, I don't know. I mean, it was kind of just a, to me, a stupid process, but I mean, you got to be smart about it. Yeah. 
Um, but that's when some of the money started coming in a little bit. Nothing great by any means, but you started getting more and more money. I mean, I was blown away when my first pro card, they were like, hey, you're going to get 500 to show, 500 to win. I was like, mm. well, you mean to tell me I'm going to get 1000 bucks?" <laughs> and they're like, well, okay, I guess you just won. I'm like, in my head I did, but you mean to tell me I'm going to get 1000 bucks to go in here and fight this kid? Something you like doing anyway. Yeah, something I like doing. And he's like, yeah. So in round two, I split the guy's face open with my elbow strike. He was on the ground. I loved doing ground and pound, picked him up, slammed him, chucking elbows at his face, split his face open. And I was like, it was like eight minutes total with between the two rounds, you know? And so I was like, oh, that was it, huh? <laughs> Easy money. Just thousand gives me bucks. thousand bucks right there, cash. I was like, as soon as you walked out of the ring, basically? Or? Yeah, pretty much. Because I mean, he was my coach, yeah. you know? So he's like, oh, here's your money. Good job. Nice. <laughs> so I was like, holy cow, man. I mean, I was like, this is like a low pro end. I was excited about a thousand bucks. And uh, I think my folks were seeing that I was really getting into it and starting to really enjoy it. And, um, and then from there, I actually think that's what humbled me and um, just the training aspect of it. I took it serious. And so I was training every day um, except for on Sundays. But I was training there all the time with Trevor. I was getting to know Trevor really well and getting to know Derek and all to know the fighters. And they were all partying and doing their stuff where I started then going, I need to focus on myself and then not doing the party and stuff. I just kind of was over that whole aspect of it. So I just literally would train, work out, work. That was it. And go to school. And I was at that point, slowly starting to turn the wheels and going, okay, I need to start, you know, gearing towards a career, not hanging out with the party crowd and, yeah. you know, and not, you know, being a bartender and a, again, cause that was the other thing too, is I was like, even if my dream, you know, was to reach the UFC, my dream was just to get to the UFC and get a contract with them. That was my dream. And I was like, in order to do that, I'm going to have to work hard and go for it. But I also need a backup. I actually was smart enough to realize I needed something to back me up. Mm -hmm. So that's when I decided to go to school for criminal justice. Just to get that and then go, okay, if this doesn't work out, then I'll try to become a police officer or a firefighter or you know, corrections or whatever the case is. And um, that was my backup plan that I had it. But what put me through school was working at night at the bar and then you know, fighting getting a little extra money on the side and just going to school, get my degree. So how long uh, did you stay pro for? Uh, I went pro in, geez, what was that? I went pro in 2005 and then finished my in 2011. Okay, so six years. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So how, how many fights, how many pro fights did you do? I mean, you only do usually one or two a year, right? Yeah, and that Typically. was a... Uh, that was another thing too, is I didn't want to waste my time. When I told my coaches, I want to fight, I wanted to fight tough guys and just be like, I want to start building my name up. I don't want to fight all these, you know, underling guys or whatever, and just keep doing that. Cause, and that's what I saw too, from my coach on one aspect of it. Some of the fighters went pro, but they kept at the low end level. Mm -hmm. I wanted to go high. I wanted, and I told um, Trevor that. So he kind of took me under his wing and was like, Hey, this is what you got to do. You got to start getting your name out there. You're going to have to start taking some tough fights. And that's what I started doing. My first fight, like I said, I went out there, crushed the guy. It was great. My second fight, I lost because mm. I got thrown in to the Wolves. And this guy was a good jujitsu guy. And I was, um, it was in Seattle too. And I was out striking him on the feet. We we're moving around and I was picking him up, slamming him. And his jujitsu was way better than mine. Yeah. <laughs> and he was able to take my back, sink in a choke and put me out. Oh, wow. 
And then from that moment on, I took it very serious as far as jujitsu goes. And I started going, okay, how do I get better about yeah. this? And so I started just training, 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 training again, and just focusing on that. Um, and then started fighting a couple fights because my record overall was 16, two and one. So it wasn't like a, a huge record like some of the guys have or whatever. And it was just a, um, a way just to build myself. But I think it was my fourth fight that I had that was against Enoch Wilson. And it was for the title fight at sport fight, uh, which was, uh, held by Randy Couture and Matt Lindland. Mm. Wow. And so that, that was huge. That, that point, everything kind of turned around for me. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll take a break. Podcasts are ranked by ratings. So we'd appreciate if you could rate our show and also give us a comment. It would help out the algorithm, which ranks us and helps other people find us more easily. Hey everybody. If you live in the Coeur d'Alene slash Spokane area, and you need your windows clean, give Brandon's window cleaning a call. They do window cleaning, pressure washing, gutter cleaning, and moss removal. Whether it's business or residential, they do a great job. Brandon's window cleaning you can be found at brandonswindows.com. That's B-R-A-N-D-O-N-S-W-I-N-D-O-W-S dot C-O-M. That's brandonswindows.com. And we're back. All right. So, Travis, you were telling us... About my title fight. Yeah. Okay. So this was 2007, May of 2007. Uh, 2007. Yes. Thinking back a little bit on it here. Uh, the opponent that I was fighting was Enoch Wilson. Um, I actually hadn't known too much about him. Uh, Trevor and Derek set up the fight, and they said, hey, this is a big one. Um, and at first, the first fight that we ended up doing was not a title fight. They didn't know who I was. I was just this kid that ended up um, one of the fighters got hurt or injured or something like that. And so they just needed a essentially a guy to fill in the gap. So I was going in the fight essentially to lose. Not my mind, obviously. I wanted to win. And yeah. that was this was the best opportunity to start doing this. And so I went down to Oregon and I fought Enoch Wilson. No one, everyone knew who he was. Uh, he was the crowd, you know, hometown boy. He was the fans, you know, they loved it. Um, and this was at the Rose Garden too. Which nice. is pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, I was like, never been there. This yeah. mean, huge locker rooms and stuff. And this now was definitely feeling like kind of the big leagues. I oh, was like, absolutely. whoa. And Randy Couture. I was a huge fan of Randy Couture. And he was the promoter of the show. Oh, nice. Was he there? He was there. <laughs> awesome. awesome. And if you're ready for this, I was in the Tap Out magazine, which I have at my house, in my little trophy case there, with Randy Couture standing between Enoch Wilson and I. Nice. With his arms That's wrapped awesome. around us. Oh, I need to see that. Yeah. I'll show you. Come over to the house and I'll show you, man. Super awesome. I'm going to take a picture and put it up on the yeah. dad packers. That's right. Oh, yeah. Just a big old tap out magazine. It was cool. I mean, like I said, nobody knew who I was, and you guys know Chael Sonnen. Uh -huh. So he was the commentator for the show. Cause really? Because he was the um, Randy Couture's, you know, one of his partner, one of the training guys. Because before Couture went down to Extreme Couture down in Las Vegas, he was training in Oregon oh. at Team Quest. So this is where all these guys were at. That's how they started out with Matt Linlin and... Um, well, yeah, yeah. Chael, Chael and, grew up on the streets. Oh, yeah. If you listen to him, you know, like he grew up on the streets in Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Upper middle class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His parents got him a car, but it wasn't a Mercedes. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that now. I do. I do. <laughs> and so this, um, I didn't know who Enoch was at all. And I'm glad I didn't at first, because I think that would have been a little bit intimidating for me because he just got done fighting uh, Kerry Colat. If you guys don't know who Kerry Colat is, he was a gold uh, medal um, wrestler, Olympic medal oh, wrestler. Okay. And he just had won that. And Chael Sonnen knew, obviously, who he was because Chael's a big-time wrestler. And so mm -hmm. he was like, 
you know, and he was training with Team Quest. So he was fighting this guy named Enoch. And so he just, Enoch ended up, you know, beating the crap out of the guy. And the guy couldn't take Enoch down to the ground. He, oh, wow. You know, the highest level of wrestling you can get to and you can't take down this, you know, this yeah. guy at all. So I go into the fight not knowing any of this at all. And there was a promotional thing where uh, Enoch just got done fighting Uriah Faber as well, too. Holy cow. Didn't know any of this. Mm. I just was like, hey, got a fight? Okay, I'm just I'm going to do my best. Sweet. <laughs> and so I go in there, and, uh, and Enoch and I are just engaging. I was getting on my kickboxing a little bit better, and I wanted to, you know, stand engaged. So we're trading, you know, blows back and forth, some high kicks and stuff. And I go in for a takedown, just pick him up and slam him. And the commentators going on, I have these on, you know, DVDs and stuff like that, which is kind of cool to play back because Chael was going crazy. He's like, who is this kid? Who is this kid? <laughs> you know, Kerry Cole had one of the best wrestlers to ever enter this area. Couldn't even take this guy down. And so no one knew who I was. I was, like I said, I was supposed to lose that fight. What ended up happening was because it's the hometown kid, it's his place, his area. You got to, if you're going to win, you have to make sure to either knock them out, yeah, submit, submit them, them, or, you know, you have to just dominate completely. And it was a close fight. So they went to a, we went to a draw on that. Oh. And so, but they didn't know who I was. So, th and that's where they were like, okay, we have to see a rematch and it's got to be for the title. And so that was the next fight. And that was, oh man, when was it? That? It was in January that I first fought him. And then in May in 2007 is when we had the rematch. And they hyped it up. It was back at the it was back at the Rose Garden, and um, which was really cool. I had never been in that spot before because I'd never rematched a guy. Mm. So I was like, "Oh, okay. I know who he is. I know how hard he hits." Mm -hmm. It was just kind of a different, you know, you know, unique preparation that I was doing. I just was training my cardio like crazy to get ready for this fight. And so, and it was at 155 that I was fighting at. Oh. And so this was for the sport fight. That's what this venue was called, Sport Fight Lightweight Championship. Mm -hmm. So to me, that was huge because I'm going like, okay, this is for Randy Couture's show, and he's going to be there again, along with Chael Sonnen and Matt Lindland, all these guys who I, you know, I got their autographs and just now I'm fighting for them at their show, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. And it was on TV too. So I was really excited about that. And so um, when we met again, and Enoch was a great guy. He wasn't like cocky or anything. He had, you know, a mohawk and some missing teeth and stuff, but he was a tough guy and, but just super polite and humble. So we get in there and we just have a freaking war and it went to a decision where I ended up winning that oh. um, title fight. But it was, I mean, we blasted each other. I mean, I had a big old slit underneath my <laughs> eye that swelled up and I took a knee right to the face and I was like, ah, and I split his eye open. I mean, we were battered and beaten, but it was awesome. It was a great fight, just scrambling around. And then again, Randy Couture was sitting there and my dad was a fan of him and his buddies were a fan of him. And so I had called my brother and everybody down after the fight. And I was like, Hey Randy, would you mind getting a photo with them? And one of my dad's friends was like, hell yeah. Just shoves everybody out of the way and goes right up to Randy and puts his arm around him. And it was pretty, I was laughing pretty hard. And, uh, that's, and, but that was, that's that was, a me maneuver. I would, yeah. Oh yeah. And it was good. And, they all had a blast. I mean, everybody had a great time. And that, for me, was one of my best memories of fighting. Mm. Was that night, that fight, everything that was put together, it was awesome. And then um, from there, so that was 2007. Then shortly after that, I actually got hired on as a corrections officer. And then that's where I met you. Right. And then like a year later after that, I met you. Yeah. <laughs> and during that time, I had taken some time off from fighting because I finished my degree and I was like, hey, I'm going to focus on work right now and see, cause even though I had won the title and it was great, 
um, and great feeling I had, I wasn't really going anywhere still. So I was kind of like a little disappointed, but I was like, well, this is more for me to like start growing up and maybe get a family or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you're trying to fight now, Madison Square Garden or nowhere, right? Now, right. when you say you weren't going anywhere, were you expecting to get like offers? Is that, I mean, essentially, is that kind of what you were hoping for? I was hoping for that. Yeah. I mean, because I, because with my coaches too, and they were telling me this, like when you fight more and get more attention out there, and yeah. I was just in the tap out magazine that they had shown. Then I saw that, you know, Enoch had just fought Uriah Faber. And then I'm fighting this kid now. So I'm in there with these guys at the kind of these levels. And I'm like, oh, man, what the heck is going on? Why am I not getting, you know, yeah. recognized? You know, even though it did pop me up as one of the top Northwest fighters, you know, in the area. So I'm sitting there going like, okay, but why am I not going anywhere? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I had to kind of pull back a little bit and just go, okay, I'm going to finish everything out. I'm going to get my job, get my degree. Then I'm going to come back to fighting. And that's what I did. And then so in 2009, I returned back to the um, fighting and I fought for another title fight, another little world championship, which actually was at the Quest Casino mm. um, back in 2009. And that was against uh, Landon Showalter. And so that was kind of, I went back into fighting, was getting into shape, but now this was at 170 pounds at welterweight instead of lightweight. And so um, at the time, I was only in corrections officer for a year. So learning the ropes on that, you know, you messing with me. Wow. <laughs> you, you, you know, getting drunk at your house and no, trying to tackle no. me and fight me. Never happened. <laughs> never. I've never given anybody more dead legs and dead arms in my entire life. Here I am, sober as can be, and you're coming at me all sideways. And I didn't come at you. Now, listen. I may have been a tad tipsy. <laughs> you, I, Man, you were messed up. You and I actually almost went over... Because whose house were we at? Uh, I, I could tell you, but I'm not going to say it. Oh, right, right, right. right. Yeah. That's right, yeah. Okay, now I'm going to kind of remember, though. <laughs> but when we when you were shoving me outside, it was on, like, that balcony? I don't remember. I, I didn't shove you outside, okay? I'm just going <laughs> to deny that right now. But but what I do remember, okay, let me tell you Let me tell you what how this went down, is I woke up the next day, and I, I tried to get out of bed, and I knew... I'd been in a fight. <laughs> you didn't fall down some stairs. <laughs> I, could, I could not walk right for like two weeks. Yeah. And let me just tell you, if you've, if you've ever thought about taking a tie kick to the leg or the, <laughs> or the hip or wherever it landed, uh, I'm pretty sure I could still touch the exact area where all of them landed. Um, and, and you want to take about, I don't know, 30 or 40 of those and then try to move the next day. Yeah, yeah you're not going to do it. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was uh he was messed up. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> kind of glad I didn't have to work. Oh, I think that was the time though that we were pretty much getting laid off. Yeah, yeah, which was no good. But I remember the balcony because I was sober, and so it was falling apart. I thought we were going over because you had pushed <laughs> into me, and I was like, "Gosh, get off me, Ray!" You know, and I'm like, kind of, and you're just, you know, you being your freaking grizzly bear self, and you're just shoving into me. And I'm like, dude, this thing's going to give. And it was. It was like making all these sounds. And I was like, dude, we're going to fall and die. <laughs> Here's the thing. I knew you fought. Okay, I knew that you were a fighter. And I also knew that you were a decent fighter. But I thought, here's what I thought, that you were like, I don't know, fighting in the peewee league or something. You know what I mean? Like, I, in my mind, I'm like, there's no way if he's any sort of good fighter, like really good, you know. He wouldn't be here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Right. And so I'm like, oh, I'll just mess with him a little bit. And I took it a little far. I, I'll admit that. Mm-hmm. 
way over far. <laughs> yeah, people told me to back off right? because <laughs> you were laying on the ground. And I, I mean, I wasn't hitting you in the face or the body. I was just beating your legs and <laughs> arms till there was nothing. And, and you kept talking I, smack, though. And I will admit to this day, deserveably so. Okay. <laughs> I deserved it. You wouldn't stop. In fact, I believe I asked for it. You did. You, I, you literally were like, is that all hard you can hit? <laughs> and you just kept doing that. I was like, ooh, what's wrong with this guy? This guy can take a beat. I'm like the Kung Fu Panda over here. Oh, you at were. At least until That's the next day. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was. And I was like, okay, yeah. I mean, I was laying into you. And then they were like, dude, he's up, Bush. Come on. He's up, man. And then I was like, oh, whatever. Uh, I did I did take a lick in that day. I can well, tell you that. Then you scampered away from me by trying to crawl through the dog door. <laughs> Which didn't work. It turns out they're a tad smaller than I remember when I was a kid. <laughs> you got your head and arms stuck. <laughs> so, but anyways, around that same time though, and this is where I actually stopped drinking altogether mm. too. Because I was still drinking a little bit here and there, but drinking gets you in trouble. And yes. for me, when I drink, I like drinking heavily. And I just get, and when I drink, I'm not an angry drunk. I'm a hyper drunk. So I like to fight already as it is, and I like to wrestle. That's how I bond. That's how I've always been through my entire life. That's how I made friends is we fight each other. <laughs> and so when I would get drunk, you don't feel as much just like you. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, it's just more fun that way. And so I, yeah, had you, to, I had to reel myself back. And yeah, after, you would love uh, what's called soju out of Korea. Soju. Yeah, it makes your body go numb. Oh. Like that's what it does my favorite drinks were um jaeger yeah cold really cold jaeger black licorice fan yeah nothing Mm. nothing else in it it's not chased with anything just just jaeger wow nice and cold though yeah that's a rare thing not very many people like it i think i think a lot of people have overdrank jaeger yes that's the problem (laughs) yeah it's like oh i hate tequila well you probably had a really bad experience one time same with jaeger well see with jaeger though i i actually still like it (laughs) <laughs> I mean, even now, like I was taking Zequel the other night to get some yeah. good rest. Delicious. Yeah. It's <laughs> 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 so that night though, I had, um, I was fighting, you know, Landon Showalter, great guy, mm-hmm. you know, and most of the time when you go to a pro level, amateur level, it's a little bit different. They just talk smack to you. I don't know if it's part of the hype or if they think they're reaching the big leagues. I'm not exactly sure, but when you go pro, it's a lot more mutual respect. You're there just, to, and that's where I found it to be interesting that you, how you talked about how you've never met anybody like that before. Well, with me, when I met these guys, we were all humble for the most part. You get some of those guys, you know, that like to talk smack, but we were all um, humble, respectful of each other. And just, we were there to fight and then you fight and then you're just, you shake hands and you go away and that's it, you know? Hmm. And so with uh, Landon, we went in there and there was a lot of people from work that ended up showing up there and uh, fought well. Third round, I ended up splitting his face open with some more ground and pounding elbows. And uh, and there was uh, some commentators. It was on a you know TV and stuff, which was cool as well. And um, that night, so I won that championship. So I was happy. Won two world titles. Yeah. In 2007, 2009. And then that night, Landon and uh, his crew and my crew, we were all at the bar. And he's like, "Hey, man, great fight, great fight. You know, let's let's freaking." Throw some back here or whatever. So he buys me double shots of Patron. Oh. And I was cutting weight at this time, too. So I was, and right after the fight, I was gorging on hamburgers and <laughs> buffalo wings. Oh, yeah. and that's the time to do that, right? So I'm taking, I don't know, it's double shot. And I'm just slamming them down. And I get like six of them. And I am messed up. 
because I didn't drink at all. Yeah. For the most part, I was pretty clean eating, didn't go partying that much. And so I was like, hey, it's a celebration. You know, let's yeah. do this. Yeah, that night was not good. I'm sitting there in the bar <laughs> and I'm like, oh boy, what was that? And he tells me and stuff and he goes off and he's hanging out with his, you know, people and I'm hitting a wall. Everything's spinning at this point now and up comes all this chunks of hamburger and buffalo wings Ugh. and just Patron all over the place. Ugh. And I'm like, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> so clean up aisle five. Yeah, clean up over here. I'm dying. And so I went home that night. Next day I woke up, worst hangover ever. And I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. Mm. That was it. September 9th. Uh, no, September 16th, 2009. Hmm. Hmm. That was the last time. Wow. I haven't touched a drink since. Wow. Yeah, I was like, what's the point? I mean, yeah, like I said, don't get me wrong. I mean, I like my Jaeger. Yeah. Little, little sips of that would be good. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, it doesn't really do anything for you anyways. Right. So I was like, I'm just done with it. Well, yeah, especially if it makes you hyper. Like, it doesn't make me hyper. It makes me more relaxed. Right. But, yeah, I could definitely see the, the hyper angle. Like, mm. Gets you into trouble. Typically huh. makes me more happy. Yeah, I'm happy, too. I just, yeah. I like to, well, it's actually, you and I were very similar when we drink a lot. Yeah. Just like to wrestle and play. Just kind and of fight. be a jackass a little yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> you win this championship. Yeah. Do you continue to fight? Yep. So. Wait, wait. I have a question. Yeah. Sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. I like that you raised your hand. He did raise his <laughs> hand. Yeah. You wait for the this teacher an, to call This is an important question, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's very important. So does that mean that I'm 1-0 in my UFC, or 0-1-1 in my UFC? 0 and one like, whoa, 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 whoa. That was a win for you? I, that, was a, that, that was a misspeak, okay? I misspoke. <laughs> he wore you out. <laughs> he did. I was exhausted. I had to quit. <laughs> it went the distance. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <sighs> oh, man. So... Oh boy. And during this time too, um, my buddy, you know, who I've talked to you about too, uh, big Nick, I call him seven foot guy. And, uh, he was always at my fights too. Good supporter and stuff. And, you know, he liked, he wanted to fight and train a little bit, nothing serious, but he just wanted to kind of follow me and see he's really big in social media and stuff. So he kind of wanted just to follow along and be like, hey, what is your life like when you're getting ready for a fight, you know, for like, you know, anything else. And so, he one day told me, he's like, hey, I can take you. <laughs> and we're both sober, mind you, at this time. He's like, I can get it. I can get you. And he's this dude, I've seen him. He's literally seven yeah. feet and a half, maybe. Oh, with shoes on. Aren't at least. you standing on a chair? No, we have yeah. a picture with that guy? We have a picture yeah. with yeah. him. Yeah. I'm standing on a chair looking at him in the eyes. Yeah. yeah. He's Crazy. a big boy. Yeah. He's about 300 pounds. Yeah. And so he's like, just by physics alone, I can take you. And I was like, well, all right, if you want to. <laughs> Another buddy's watching is just, you know, grinning ear to ear going, no, this is going to be good. And so I was like, okay, how do you want to do this, dude? And he's like, let's just, let's just fight in your backyard. I was like, okay, let's do it. So we go out there and he tries coming at me and I pick him up, slam him down on the ground and he <laughs> bellies out and I jump on his back and choke him out. And that was it. And my buddy was like, that was it. You know, and then, you know, Nick's rolling around the ground all, you know, messed up and trying to get his, you know, thoughts back and, he starts going, I can't see anything. I can't see anything. <laughs> what the heck was that? It's impossible. How do you do that? What the heck? And I was like, well, I guess that's physics for you. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll give you a little physics lesson. <laughs> but it um, it did suck too, though. And you guys were part of this as well. Um, we all got laid off. Mm-hmm. Um, that was stupid. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. And it was all about just over politics. It really pissed me off. Yeah. A lot of us got laid off too. For me, I didn't come back until a year and four months later. Uh-huh. 
And so I was rehired back in 2011. But during that time, I had told myself, I was like, well, if I'm laid off, I might as well try to go as far as I can with this UFC thing. Mm. And that's exactly what I did. I fought a couple more fights in between there, um, got my name out there a little bit more, and then I applied for the Ultimate Fighter show. Oh. And so that was kind of cool. Um, my name got selected and there's a huge process. I mean, you have to make this video, you had to like put in, you know, like kind of show them your skills that you have, your interest in it. And then they, if you make it to the next stage from there, if you're interested, if they're interested in you even, then you, they fly you down, which now this, at this point I was like, okay, this is cool. This is like now the officially the big leagues. So I was getting all excited for it. So they're like, Hey, we're going to fly you down to Vegas. We're going to pick you up. So I'm like, okay. So I fly down to Vegas. They paid for it. Mm. And there's a, a van waiting for me with my name. And I was like, oh, that's me. And they're like, hey, let's go. We're going to go to the meet Dana White and stuff. And so I was like, cool. <laughs> okay. And so they load all these fighters up and they bring us to, um, oh my gosh, I can't remember the hotel. Anyways, they bring us into one of like these conference rooms and there's these mats laid out everywhere, wrestling mats in this huge conference room that they set up. And there's Dana White. You know, Joe Silva, all the, you know, the Fertitta brothers all lined around this big table and you're just watching you. And I was like, well, this is bizarre. And they're like, hey guys, this is our first session. We're going to watch all of you and we want to see your strikes. So they, they have their own, you know, um, kickboxing instructors that they bring out and they had the tie pads and everything else. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, just give us some strikes. They let us warm up a little bit. And then they put us on the clock and they just watch us do strikes. That's it. And then they partner you up with a jujitsu guy and they watch you grapple. Mm. So then they're like, okay, now, you know, next step, everybody steps off the mat and they call you out two at a time and you just grapple in front of these guys and they just watch your technique and moves. Then the next step after that, then they say you can go forward. So then after that, um, they said I could go forward. So the next step was the interview process. So then I was down there for a couple days during this whole process. And this was also doing all of our physical stuff too. I was going to the doctor. Mm. I've never had that kind of screening before in my oh, entire really? life. They paid for all of that too, Oh, which I was like, holy crap, what is going yeah. on here? You spent like 50 grand on each person mm. just to do this. And it got to the point that they said I was pretty much like an alternate. If somebody got hurt on the show, then I would take their place. So then I was down in Vegas for like six weeks just sitting there and they paid for it all. They put me in a hotel. They paid for my food, gave me a little food voucher and I just sat there. And I just went to some of the training camps, you know, that they had around there, like Couture's Extreme Couture and um, different, you know, other places around there, just grappling and, you know, kind of keeping in shape just in case. Mm. Didn't get a call. But then shortly after that, I ended up getting a contract signed to Strike Force from there, which was mm. owned by the UFC because they had all these other shows they were branching mm. off and trying to make it like this, you know, kind of different, you know, aspects of it, the shows or the tournaments or something like that. And so that's when I actually got the call saying, hey, we got you a four-fight contract with the UFC under Strike Force. So for me, I had already reached my dream. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, which I was, my goals were big, trying to just work my way up. But now I actually reached the pinnacle in my mind, going, holy cow, I made it. Hard work, but it took yeah. me quite a few years, but I did it. And then um, I was getting ready for a fight, and the kid got hurt. And then they scheduled another fight for me. Then that guy got hurt. And so they were like, okay, well, we don't have a fight for you right now, but we want you to fight, let's say, like two months later or something like that. And so I was like, yeah, sign me up. Just let me know when you're ready. And then I get a call from the jail. Mm. And they're like, hey, we need you back. Or we're offering you a position back at the jail. And that's when you had just come back shortly mm-hmm. before that. 
And so that's when I was like, well, I guess I got a decision to make. I got to say, you did way cooler stuff when you were laid off than I did. <laughs> <laughs> I figured this was the best opportunity to do it. I mean, to do everything that I needed to do. I mean, this was the best chance, you know. And so I was like, well, here we go. All or, you know, none. And I'm going in for it. Well, then once they did call me back, they did give me an ultimatum. Both sides did. It wasn't just like, you know, our work did this or the UFC did it. It was both of them. They were like, because I called, they called me and they said, hey, are you ready to go for your fight? And I was like, hey, got some unfortunate news. I'm getting called back to my work. You know, it's important that I work because you guys don't pay anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, they gave me a four fight contract for like 30 grand. Oh, mm. that's it. Mm-hmm. So you're fighting maybe those in Let's a year. Let's assume you could do those four fights yeah. all in one year. Yeah. In one year. 30 grand a year. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Not good. No and benefits. Then, no benefits. And if I got injured, mm-hmm. I'm screwed. Cause then I'm yeah. like, okay, my hand's broken. I have to pay for this. Mm-hmm. And this was a training thing. So. Uh, and coaches are expensive and oh, the yeah. way you have to eat is expensive. Yep. The lifestyle itself. I mean, it's not as glamorous as everyone makes it out to be. I mean, you have to be at the top, yeah. you know, and I think that's where, in my opinion, like Conor McGregor, dude, he did it awesomely. He hyped it up so much like a WWE status, but he was mm-hmm. really good. He could back it up and he's making millions of dollars. No other fighter had that kind of hype yeah, you're right. in that buildup. Yeah. He was I mean, you mentioned Tito Ortiz and Couture and all them. They set kind of the path, but he took it up a notch. Yeah, they mm-hmm. put they put UFC, in my opinion, they put UFC on the map. Yeah. I mean, the UFC has never seen stardom like Connor, but that dude's weird. That dude brings a country with him. You know, like the country of Ireland backs that guy. As a, you know, as a citizen in the U.S., what are you going to bring with you? Idaho and Washington. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. don't fucking mess with Idaho, man. <laughs> don't mess with Idaho. <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting. So, I mean, essentially you gave that up. So they told you you couldn't do it? Is that what happened? Yeah. They said you need to choose work or fight. That's both terrible. Si- both sides did. So, I mean, I, I mean, I know of, I can name off like four or five right now, fighters that still, I mean, they're in the UFC and they're top 10 in their weight cat weight class and they still hold down jobs. Yeah, they do. And there's a lot of them that actually end up doing that. Uh, our, um, so it was just boss, like essentially, director, yeah, essentially would, work wouldn't let you. They said, yeah, they're like, it's unprofessional. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can kind of see, whereas like we count on you and if you come to work, all beat up. Right. You know, and that's what they what said. They're like, you? well, you go into practice and training and get bruised up and let's say you go to a fight and then you get, you know, you're all marked up. Yeah. I mean, what, what's this about? You know? And so, they kind of coming know. coming back to work after a fight, looking like guile after he lost, right? Yeah, on that, on that on street, street fighter. fighter. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Eyes all swelled up, got the band aid on it. Right. <laughs> Interesting. Well, that's uh, that's an unfortunate end. Um, not, I mean, it, I mean, it kind of is. Where essentially you had an ultimatum, you know, go support and start a career, you know, support whatever, you know, support yourself, support your family, whatever, or. Or we won't allow it. I mean, that's kind of a, a sad ending. Well, the only thing was, too, is I was at this point, like, I mean, if I was in the UFC and I was at the, like, top level or something yeah. like that, then that would have been a little bit different. But I wasn't. I wasn't getting, like, that much money. And, and our job pays a lot better than that and has benefits in retirement. So I was kind of playing the smarter game. And I also wanted to start looking into a family at this time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was trying to get more focused and being like, okay, I got all this stuff out of my system. Let's start focusing on, yeah. you know, my career and everything else. 
But you're still able to fight. I mean, just it's just different now. Now you just teach other people, right? So say that's what I love about it, is because now I you know work at the jail, and I'm their defensive tactics instructor. So there was other avenues. Not just any old instructor though. Don't cut yourself short. <laughs> you're a master. <laughs> <laughs> Took a little bit to get there, but yeah, good education, which is good. But that did it was it was a turning point for me that helped me rechannel it, refocus. I love fighting. I still do, and I love training. And that's what I like doing. And I did, I needed to find a way to do that. And with the jail, it's great because, you know, you get along with most of the time with, you know, the individuals that live there for the moment, the guests, if you will. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's times that uh, you can't control them and they love just to fight and they'll just assault you and attack you. Well, mm-hmm. that's great <laughs> for me. <laughs> and I mean, and, and there's training you know, time. And I'm definitely not looking for fights there because, I mean, the last thing I'm going to do is, especially now, you know, I'm getting a little bit older. And so I have a family and I want to, yeah. you know, go home. But I love training and I love fighting. <clears throat> so when did you when did you get your family started? Oh, let's see here. Met my wife when I was 29. And so how I met her, um, it was I was actually, since I was still competitive, um, and fighting wasn't there anymore, but I still was training and fighting. I didn't want to lose that. I think it's great to learn some defensive tactics or self-defense or whatever it is, you know, and just keep all my skills honed. Um, I started changing, but I was still competitive and I wanted to compete in something. And the thing is, I didn't really know what else to do, but I was in good shape. I was working out all the time. So I want to try those physique shows. And that's what I went into where you just kind of sit there and pose in board shorts and Nothing crazy or anything, but it was something that was competition. It was competitive. And so I did a couple of the shows and I um, got, you know, placed good enough that I qualified for nationals. Um, Didn't go to nationals because that was at the time that I was then changing my career and went to the road Mm. at that point. Patrol. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Patrol. Yeah. The little slogan slangs. Yeah. But yeah, so I went to patrol and uh, had to put everything on a halt there. But I was enjoying um, the physique competitions, but that's where I met my wife. And so then, uh, and she was just as competitive and all that. And so her and I, you know, we hit it off and, um, geez, now we've been, you know, seven years later. Yeah. You know, pop out some kids and <laughs> I'm living the life. I mean, it was great. It's interesting little phases, you know, ages zero to 10. I was fighting as a kid and doing all these things and competing and then, 10 to 20 still doing kind of the same stuff getting Mm -hmm. some trouble you know finding trying to find my way and then 20 to 30 was all fighting and now 30 to 40 is more family life which is great Mm -hmm. you know and um focusing on that and seeing my kids now get into you know like mixed martial arts or you know watching the same stuff i did as a kid oh believe me i put on terminator too (laughs) (laughs) and predator my boy loved it So I'm like, all right, well, this is good. He's going to be the kid in school quoting quotes right. from Predator. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> so so you have two older daughters. Yes. Right? A son and a young daughter. Mm-hmm. Are they – I know your son's into um, jujitsu right now, but mm-hmm. are your daughters into interested in that at all? Um, no, but they are interested in other self-defense stuff. Um, so what ended up happening was Zaley, um, wanted to learn how to kind of do a self-defense or a fight. Okay. So I showed her a few techniques, little vascular neck restraints and 
yeah, some takedowns to, to get into that kind of stuff. So I was like, it works. It's kind of an element of surprise thing. So I showed her this one move and I had her practice it over and over and they, the girls practiced on each other. And so they were, and I was teaching them some hair hold techniques, you know, and mm-hmm. I was like, man, if you guys get in a fight at school and the girls, this is what you got to do to defend yourself. You know, get that, <laughs> grab a, that oh, hold, yeah. start doing those uppercuts to the face, you know? And so Zaylee started really getting down this technique I, you know, had shown her that I show all to you guys as well during, you know, training. And so I was like, okay, hey, go up and sneak up to your mom and slap that sucker on and see what happens. <laughs> so she did. She approached her from behind and just pulled on her shoulders. And, and she's kicked. what, 13? Thir- yeah, she's 13 years old. <laughs> and she and she's really tiny, short, like like my wife. My wife's only like five foot two. And so Zaylee's, you know, like 4'11". So she comes up and grabs her shoulders and pulls her down and kicks her knee out and just levels her and just slaps that sucker on well she missed her throat and just hit her in her nose and her nose blew up blood and was coming oh, no. down and, no. and so you know megan's like oh it's out of screaming <laughs> zaylee's like oh god and runs off <laughs> and runs upstairs and i was like it worked yeah <laughs> did what it was she might as well do. just punched her in the face <laughs> might as well. i mean it, it was the, one of those brutal cross faces i've ever seen wow. she's trying to go for the throat just misses and just crack right on the nose um and it is unfortunate. I mean, the girls are really into sports, and it's good, you know, for them to mm-hmm. get in there, like softball and volleyball and stuff, and then basketball. Maisie was really into, but now, because of COVID, mm-hmm. everything's screwed it up. Yeah, you know, and the kids are stuck at home, and so now, we, I mean, as a family, we have our own gym down in the basement, so we all go work out. And I mean, almost like every night, we go downstairs and work out and train together. Even the little ones will come down. That's Got awesome. Evia, two years old, she's doing little burpees, mm-hmm. you know, which is goofy, but. Um, yeah, it's just a good bonding for us, and that's just the way to keep them in shape. And I've shown them some boxing and striking stuff, but they're really focused on school, and that's kind of what I want them to do. And you know, now as far as your son or anyone that's like thinking of you know going into MMA, I would say MMA now is probably bigger than it's ever been. Do you have any advice for people that are looking to go into that kind of you know sport? Well, for one, I would definitely say. It's great to have goals and be ambitious and have some dreams set up for yourself. Um, and don't go away from that. You got to work hard for it. It's not going to be handed to you. Um, but I would say have a backup plan too. Mm. Um, kind of be prepared going in there. Um, but just work hard for it. And honestly, you can reach your goals. If you just set small goals, little baby steps, set medium, high goals, and then set your dreams, you can attain anything Um and get it you just got to work hard for it people nowadays unfortunately expect everything to be handed towards them instant gratification and it's not going to work like that the age of the cell phone yeah, yeah. And, and that's why i had to work my ass off well this uh this guy i watch on youtube he uh his like saying is um many people only see the result no one really sees the journey yeah you know and i mean when you look at like a ufc superstar you're like mm-hmm. oh man he's good but you know i could i can do that Right. But not very many people know like how tough that is. Yeah, you can't just walk in there and no. <laughs> there's there's a process in the, and I think the big thing that helped me make that decision was the politics. Hmm. I can't stand the politics in the fight game at all. And it's just there's a lot of corruption behind it. There's a lot of things that people don't see. Yeah. Um it's like a little smoke screen that no one's, everyone just thinks you just get in the cage and that's it. There's a lot of underlying things that people just are not aware of. And I think that's also what helped me make my decision to go back to work and focus on that. 
which unfortunately, you know, even at work, I've had my ups and downs and I've, um, you know, I, I got in trouble, you know, uh, at work because of your place, playful spirit, because of my playful spirit, which again, I got sent to another, you know, <laughs> psychologist counselor. Oh my gosh. I mean, we always have to, when we first get hired on, we have to go through those steps initially. And he was like, Oh yeah, you're good to go. You know, nothing wrong with you. And then, then I get in trouble because I interrupted one of our practices that we have. Um, and it was a training exercise. And so I horse played, you know, cause I'm a, mm-hmm. a big kid is my wife calls me a man child, which yeah. is, which is fine. And that's just who I am. I just like to wrestle and play. And so I did that with, you know, two of my buddies and yet everyone thought I like had murdered them. That's how they were acting. And then they accused me of being on drugs, cocaine and steroids. And, <laughs> and I'm sitting there going like, what is happening? And this is a week after the incident that they, you know, come to work and they drag me out of work. They, well, it probably takes that long for the rumor mill to fly. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But they, but the sergeant that had done it was aware of it. And then he waited a week later. And mind you, I was working with these two guys this entire time. Yeah. So they were worried about these two guys, you know, like their well-being. Oh, yeah, because they're like, Cause, dude, they just got assaulted by Bush. Yeah, but you were. But I was working, working with them. With them. Yeah, yeah, and I was, we were having fun. And then they're like, hey, we got to get you out of here because we got to protect these two guys. I'm and like, he might finish the job. I was like, yeah, a week <laughs> later, a little late. And then they drug test me. <laughs> You know, and they take my personal vehicle away from me because they just, and then that's where the rumors start. And that's what really pisses me off is the accusations that fly with that. Yeah. Because people just started going around and there was no penalty for those guys lying. Nothing happened to them. So then what happened is with me, I get my car taken away. um, They drug test me. I get escorted home. They drop me off at the house and there's my wife. Where's the car? I'm like, <laughs> funny story, babe. I might be looking at prison time and I might be, you know, losing my job for sure by the way everyone's reacting right now. And they even asked those two guys, the alleged victims who happened to be my buddies who happened to go to my wedding. They were like, do you guys want to press charges against them? And they're like, no, it was an exercise. It was a training exercise and it was fun. You could see our faces on the camera. We we're all laughing and having a good time with it. Was it unprofessional? Yeah, maybe. You know, I probably should have picked a better time, but I thought it was okay because the team that I was currently on, which was their little response team they have, they always horseplayed and messed around and grabbed ass. Mm -hmm. It was, and that's why I joined the team. It was more like a wrestling team or a fight team, you know, and that's how I thought it at, you know, it was, you know, what happens when the team stays on the team and I'm like, oh, they've grabbed ass and they've, you know, dicked around before. Why can't I? That's how I thought of it, but apparently you can't. (laughs) It's a, yeah. <laughs> so obviously you test a negative, right? For those listening, yeah, on your drugs. oh yeah, absolutely. So I yeah. went in. And People don't know it. You know, a week is long, way <laughs> long enough time to get coke out of your system. <laughs> I didn't know it was coming though. <laughs> well, maybe they were hooking you up. <laughs> yeah. So I went in there and they tested me, and they didn't even tell me that I was clean. They were just like, "Hey, you're gonna go get tested." And like three weeks went by, and I was like, "Hey, so what's going on? Well, we're gonna send you to anger management." Like, because nothing was in your system, so you're clean. And I'm like, okay. And then the sergeant who was doing the investigation at the time was like, it kind of said what you said. I don't understand how somebody could think this is fun. Mm -hmm. Fighting and wrestling, how could anyone think that's fun? And so I was like, "Uh, I do. I've done that my whole entire life. And again, it circles back from (laughs) everything. And I laugh. And I was at that moment, I was laughing. I was like, Gosh, dang it, freaking Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah, Ninja freaking Turtles, man. It did me in. I am done. <laughs> and then they did a six-month investigation, and at the end of it, horseplay. Yeah. Mm. They dropped everything. 
Yeah, everything gets me. Wasted all of our, you know, time and money and effort and resources for that because yeah. somebody went around spreading lies. Yeah. Which was very frustrating. That's unfortunate. It is, but at the same time, it's, you know, I believe everything happens for a reason. Yeah. I believe we're on this path for a reason and uh, we learn from our mistakes and, and I don't regret anything in my life that has happened at all. Um, I've learned from all my mistakes. It's made me who I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, Let me ask you this. I ask a similar question to everybody that's come on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if your son, right, now four, right, yeah, uh, came up to you in, say, 10, 12 years and said, you know, I know I'm this awesome wrestler, Dad. You, you know, you've, you've helped me out with that. I, I know I can do jujitsu and I know I can do this fighting stuff, but I don't want to do that. I'd rather be a correction doctor instead. What would you say to him? Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, because you're in a position, if you think about it, that you could help him out if he progressed that far and had to make a decision like you made, you know. That is... Um, <laughs> <laughs> You know, that is interesting. I have thought of this a lot, actually, too. And I joke around with my wife and I'm like, and so does one of our, uh, you know, fellow officers, too. He's like, man, that kid's going to be on the other side. That's all he (laughs) tells me. And I'm like, say that. I was like, he's just rambunctious like I am for crying out loud. Leave him alone. He's just a kid. And uh, but I was like, you know, and sometimes he does goofy things. And I'm like, oh, he's going to be a knuckle dragger. He's going to be a jailer for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, but if I if he did come to me and sell me this stuff. I definitely want to, I will support him in anything he wants to do. Um, and if he wants to be a CEO, that's great and that's fine and stuff, but I want him to look at other avenues. Um, the career that I am in, I love, it's awesome. It's suited for my personality and it's great, but there are ups and downs with it, which I know comes with any job, but, um, I'd want him to find something a little bit better, man. I'd try to push him to be like, be a firefighter, man, or yeah. go into something, you know, engineering or I right. mean, if you've got the skills to do it, don't waste your time doing this, you know, have fun with it. But if he's, if his passion is to kind of like follow my path and do it, I'm cool with that too. Yeah. I'll support him in anything he wants to do. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that martial arts are, are super cool. I read this study one time and it was like the study among, you know, CEOs and they were looking for, uh, common traits among those. Um, and I, I think they would like the top 500 companies or, or whatever, but uh, they found that the most common thing among CEOs is military, mm. right? The next most common thing was martial arts. And I think that both of those are somewhat, somewhat related in the fact that they both take a lot of dedication, you know? So, I mean, getting a kid into martial arts, I, I think that's one of the best things in the world. The, the, the discipline behind it is huge. Yeah. And I think that's what's helping my boy out. Um, he's just, he's rambunctious. Like I said, like I am, mm-hmm. you know, he's a, he's going to be a man child. He'll be another one. Um, but with that, it comes with discipline and the coach that I bring him to, which is my coach. Um, it's great. And he loves it and yeah. he, he'll follow along and he'll see all the other kids and they get a fight and wrestle and play and, he loves that, but it's, it is actually structuring him. And my wife essentially is my rock. I mean, she helps balance me out, kind of keeps me in. I even, I was telling you this earlier, you know, I come back from work and I'm like, this is a rough day. 
I hate life, <laughs> you know, but then she, you know, pulls me back and checks me and goes, okay, yeah, but look what it's given us. Look what it's done for us. You know, it's give, it's provided for us. It's given mm-hmm. us a great life, you know? Yeah. But see my rough day is when I got to go, <laughs> when I got to go handle somebody, your rough day is, Oh, I didn't get to handle anybody. Today. <laughs> <laughs> so bored. It's not same, same. I just sat on my butt and did rounds. This is crap. No riots. What's going on here? Um, but yeah, you know, and, and with her, she's a great mom. Um, and so it's, it's a good balance. And that's why I think it's so important to have a, you know, mother and a father right there to balance each other out. And even when it comes to disciplinary mm-hmm. stuff and, um, so far, you know, so far the kids are doing great, great in school that's and awesome. loving it. And we're just going to hope to keep them on the right path. I will tell you this. I am really nervous when they all reach my age, you know, or the age I was when I started getting into trouble. About yeah. 16, 17 years old, I'm waiting to see what happens. Yeah. Because ultimately, even though you can explain everything to them and help them understand, you know, trouble things of life or stay out of trouble or whatever it is, they're going to make their own decisions. Yep. doesn't matter what you tell them, good or bad. They'll know what's good or bad, but they're going to be curious. Yeah. At the end of the day, all you can do is lead the horse to water. You can't make them drink the water, yeah. you know. That's great. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Is like, okay, that was a bad. I liked it. I mean, I liked it. I liked it. You can teach a fisherman to fish. Yeah, no, I get it. <laughs> wow. Okay, so <clears throat> Travis, I think we're gonna wrap it up for today. Do you have any parting words of wisdom? Yes. Um, it kind of goes back to setting goals for yourself. Uh, don't give up on anything. Go for it. Um, be goal oriented and uh don't let you know naysayers get you down don't let people push you around i mean stand up for yourself stand up for what you believe in you know and just um push through it yeah i would say that i've seen that more recently in the last couple years paying attention is uh you know people that do have goals Mm -hmm. i mean maybe it's just the career field that i've been in you know my whole adult life but I mean, people are really good at shitting on other people's dreams. They are. And it's easy to give up and it's like, yeah, you're right. You know, that was, that was stupid of me to think I could do something like that. Yeah. It's very easy to, to fall into that trap and go, oh yeah, well, I've kind of fell short, so I probably can't do it anyway, you know? Well, and that'll be hard. There's going to be times that even like your spouse, significant other, your parents are against you. Yeah. I mean, my folks were like, no, you're not doing any fighting. No, you're not. Well, you were going down. They had a dog fight right before you showed up, you know, open up the root cellar. <laughs> well, so, you know, I can't imagine as a father, like, yeah, I'm going to go watch my kid fight. I haven't seen it yet. What the hell? All, all of a sudden you're going into the into the potato cellar, right? Oh, man. Like, open up the, uh, the two doors. Awesome. Now, that is one thing, though, about, my, let's say, my boy or girls, if they wanted to fight, I would... I would support him, but I'd be a nervous wreck. Yeah. And that's yeah. what my dad told me too. He's like, dude, he goes, I thought I was going to like puke every time you'd walk out to get into a cage. I thought I was going to puke. Yeah. And I didn't understand that cause I wasn't a father at the time. But now I'm like, yeah, that would be pretty rough to see your kid get, you know, smashed around oh, or get like knocked out or something. And you know, you'd want to go in there and kill the guy, but right. you know, it's a sport and you're just like, Oh my gosh, and you're trying to be supportive, but it's like, Oh, gut wrenching. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, don't let anybody hold you back. Push through it. You know, say no to the naysayers. Ignore them. Kick ass at life. Yeah. And there it is. Travis, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll see you next week, Ray. Cool.
sure to tell your friends about the show.